there is a Euroleague season without Costas Lucas hitting two game winners, at least. It's not a Euroleague season, I guess. We saw one against Real Madrid and him uh, pump faking Eddie Tavares uh, going inside. And now this, I mean, crazy shot. How uh, probably one millisecond more and Hayes Davis blocks that shot. Had I the mean, same note. I mean, Hayes was millisecond late of reacting to this, you know, switch of the angle of uh, Sluka's direction. I, it was amazing handle, by the way. That's it another example like, uh, why kids just, you know, practice handling, ball handling, and also those crazy shots. Because as Vizenko said, this shot, you know, I mean, he, he, he was making those shots every practice, basically. So, I mean, what, what was your favorite moment of this whole um, sequence of Costas Lucas magic? Uh, my favorite moment was like three left-handers uh, hitting big shots in a row. It started with Vizenkov, then it was Gudrich, and 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 in the end, Lucas. It actually started with Nick Kalatis. Yeah, Nick uh, is a free, but he's not left-handed, so yeah. I I didn't include him into this sequence. Uh, just three left-handed players hitting big shots. However, I I couldn't help but think about uh, Gudrich uh, last decision, shot. Decision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the perfect world, you shouldn't leave an opportunity for Olympiacos to have their uh, last say. And, and they had all, almost four seconds. He started way too early. Yeah, I mean, hitting the shot is good. It's okay, it's you're amazing. leading. But you're at the same time, you're giving an opportunity to the team with the clutchest players in the league to have their last shot. So it, I think in this situation, you should go for a buzzer beater. If mm -hmm. it goes in, you're happy. If it doesn't, you go go and play overtime. I'm always surprised when teams, uh, you know, let's say are down one and they opt to go for a last shot instead yeah. of going early. And then, you know, if they miss, they can foul. So I'm always surprised by that. And now you are with, with what Guderich made is now you're not, you are giving time to the opponents and you're leaving yourself a possibility to lose. Basically, that's, that's what happened. You know, maybe if he makes a free, then it's a, it's a, it's a different story, but Going that early, I know it probably was a hard moment, an emotional moment. He 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 just wanted to 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 make that shot, but uh, I don't know. Uh, he went way too early. Uh, in those last four seconds, Costas Lucas seemed like in a big trouble. You know, yeah. His first move going right, he seems like in a big trouble. That behind the back gets him a nice room of space, and then just amazing shot over over Nigel. Yeah, and in, in Guduri's defense, I have to say that. Once he stopped dribbling the ball, he had to shoot. He yeah. had no other options. Yeah, yeah. It's just that it happened uh, too early. Making the shot is, like I said, is great. It shows how good he is. But yeah, you're leaving an opportunity for a team with a history of game winners to have that shot. And, 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 and it, it's just like meant to be for Slukas. Uh, not only because he does that every season, but also because it is in Istanbul against uh, Fenerbahce, mm. a and team where he had a lot of success himself. Because he was hot as well. It was an amazing yeah. night for Lucas. I checked that he was just two points shy away from his all-time EuroLeague scoring record, but this 27 is his max? 26. It sounds very low, to be honest, but 25? It's but his all-time playoff record, so it was a career night in the playoff and uh, the post-regular season stage. Honestly, uh, this season, I don't think Slukas had very good percentages uh, from free. And right now, mm -hmm. when it matters, he hits a shot over Hayes Davis. 30, 33%. Yeah, okay, that's... so that's like acceptable, but mm -hmm. not great. Uh, but that that's the thing with these... Uh, He's a forty percent forty percent shooter throughout his career. Yeah, so in so this year it's not his best season shooting free, but like I said, it's 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 just um these big players. Uh they're he, built for big moments. Yeah, that the legacy of, of Vasilis Panulis, for example, never a good shooter, never had good percentages during the regular season, but you don't want him when taking the, big the last moment shot comes, if you're playing against yeah. Olympiacos and, and and now Lucas is the guy. Yeah, these Greeks they they know something. They know something <laughs> that we don't know actually. But I mean, 
Yes, Lucas had kind of, you know, roller coaster season, at least in terms of uh, shooting efficiency, but he's built for big plays like that and also for big games, big series. Because, yeah. for instance, in the playoffs, he's just amazing, scoring 16 points per game on tremendous 71%, two-point shooting, 50%, three-point shooting. He's perfect, uh, perfect from the free throw line, almost four assists. And, yeah, all of these numbers in only 21 minutes uh, per game. It's it's just incredible. I also loved his reaction to the Zenkov shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh my, oh my God. God, what was that? And little did he know there's going to be a, an even more spectacular shot later, but that reaction was, was so great. And uh, Sasha's reaction to hit to Sluka's <laughs> shot was like, did it count? Did it count? <laughs> he was like, wait, did he get off in time? I mean, I think another iconic and kind of underrated thing is when an away team hits a game winner how everybody rushes to the yeah. straight kind to the top. Loved it. Derek Fisher move. That <laughs> was Derek it. Fisher move. I, but Derek Fisher did the move because if they leave early, there's no way they can review the shot. <laughs> they, they, they just leave the gym. It was 2004. Okay. Uh, Yo, the, the bus already left. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even take the shot. It was 2004, you know. Uh, but in Europe, it happens all the time. Uh, if, if teams hit game winners in hostile atmospheres like Oaka or, or Istanbul or Belgrade, they just run. Yeah. And Slukas did a, I, I think he ne didn't have a sprint like that during the game. <laughs> and, and, and it was <laughs> wonderful to see how many guys tried to catch him actually. Yeah. And I, I, it's the first time I saw the head coach sprinting towards the player because it was Bartzokas, but Slukas was just too fast Bartzokas for everyone. reaction, I, when I saw the pictures, I thought he's gonna do like a knee slide, like Mourinho or, or, or something like that. It, it, <laughs> the way he was running, it seemed like he's celebrating the the title or something like that. It's, although it's an important win, yeah. of course, it's a it was a pivotal game that could break the series for for both teams. And right now, Olympiakos is in a great position, of course. And Fenerbahce, I can't help but think they were so close. And this could destroy if, their exactly. If if you would be in a position right now to close the series tomorrow at home, that's like a perfect opportunity for you as an eight seeded team to make it to the yeah. final four and create this this amazing story. But right now, yeah, that game slipped from them from from their hands, and uh, of course it was down to all these clutch moments, these 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 big shots. But um, uh, we have to talk about what happened before that probably yeah. during the game and and it was just a very physical battle in my opinion what what do you guys think uh, just the last thing to add about the uh, this magical moments of, yeah. of Costas uh, Lucas uh, of course it was the topic of the night and probably all the Euroleague cities including the uh, even Konas uh, Barca basically finished the series earlier in Konas but the whole uh, the entire team the entire roster uh, stayed in the locker room to watch the uh, four quarter of uh, Olympiakos Fenerbahce. And I remember we kind of, it caught our attention when, when we were also waiting for some interviews, also watching the game uh, at the same time. And we heard the first reactions when Thomas Walkup did Darius Songaila pass. Oh, yeah. Uh, probably only Lithuani Lithuanians know that ridiculous pass in 20, uh, 2011 um, quarterfinals against Macedonia. And it, it was the moment when his Greek passport actually was on the line, I think, if, if Olympiakos <laughs> uh, would have lost that game. So we already heard some guys screaming. And then we understood that guys are watching the game and we kind of put the camera uh, behind the door of, of their locker room. And we, we heard guys screaming when Slukas made the shot. And when just later we realized that there were two former Fenerbahce players in the locker room of Barcelona, Jan Veseli and, and Nikola Kalinic. And actually afterwards we had a short discussion about how Fenerbahce could have tried to play defense in that situation. And the initial idea was that in those situations, you do everything in your power to force the guy not to shoot the three-pointer, but to drive or to take some uh, other decisions, just basically taking away any three-point shot opportunity. But at the same time, it felt like Fenerbahce did really, I mean, everything that was in their power. I mean, Deshaun Pierre, when he approached Lucas, he was very active with his hands, you know, not to give any opportunity to think about the shot, but just his handles. And that, again, Hayes was millisecond late 
for that uh, switch uh, because of uh, Vazenkov's pick. Kind of gave Lucas a p- theoretical opportunity to launch that shot, but for Lucas it was it Tariq, was enough. Tariq Black was wide open, cutting to the rim there. If you rewind that play, nobody saw him cutting. Yeah, that uh, was, that that's why Kalatis was like sprinting uh, back to the basket. Uh, because there was kind of miscommunication between the guys. He was wide open and I was like, are, is nobody seeing him on that pass? It could have been, you know, an overtime. And I was like, oh, okay, ball to Lucas. He's not wide open. Oh, okay, he has some space. And then he hits that shot. And I'm like, okay, that's even better. But, you know, Tariq Black was there also for, for a layup in my eyes. Even before the pass to Lucas? Yeah, he was... Or when Lucas got the ball? No, he was basically... There was a miscommunication on the mm-hmm. on the slip, on the on the pick... And uh, he was cutting basically in the middle of the paint towards the basket completely alone. And nobody mm-hmm. even recognized him. Neither Fenner okay. nor uh, Olympiakos. So they could have gotten an, an overtime there as well. By the way, everyone mm, will remember this crazy shot by Slukas and his performance, Vazenkov as well. But I think that Tariq Black, especially defensively, he, he played an important role in the last 90 seconds of the game. First of all, taking away the three-point shot opportunity by off uh, Tyler Dorsey. And the next possession, he, he, he brought some good help to contest another miss by Dorsey when he was penetrating. And even in, in, in that situation, when Vazenkov hit the three-pointer, it felt like Tariq Black and him rolling to the basket kind of confused Fenerbahce defense where, again, Hayes kind of stayed with Black and it gave like two centimeters for Vezenkov, mm. you know, to uh, create some room for that uh, NBA three-pointer, uh, I would say. So Tariq Black would, should be one of the unsung heroes of that uh, he was, final possessions. He was plus 16 in 20 minutes played. Uh, he had plus minus of 16 points and uh, as you mentioned on defense, but... Also punishing uh, Fender's switching defense in the last quarter. I think his seals under the basket helped a lot. And that is a player who, during the regular season, was constantly in a foul trouble, had some poor performances in some regular season games. We remember him and Konas. He almost cost Olympiakos that game uh, against Jalgiris. And all of a sudden, in uh, game three of a quarterfinal series, he steps up and plays big and... That again shows how strong is Olympiakos. Uh, but just your opinions about the game, the whole game. Was Fenerbahce in control, in your opinion? I mean, I'm just happy, you know, uh, that this series are not going one way. I think Fenerbahce and Dimitri Studis deserve a lot of credit that for making this a series. I mean, if Slukas doesn't hit that shot right now, we are talking that they are one win away from mm. the Final Four and having the Game 4 in Istanbul. So uh, they did what I expected them to do. You know, they switch a lot and just confuse confuse uh, Olympiakos' offense. And uh, yesterday, for example, great performance by Vizenkov, but on the switches, when he gets the ball inside, he immediately starts to uh, turns and no dribble shoot. You know, it's a hard shot. It's a fading away shot immediately after a catch. He didn't make those. You know, yes, Lucas did a great job attacking those uh, isolations and passing the ball for the big for bigs in the fourth quarter but for three quarters it confused Olympia cause what happened in the fourth is that uh, Bartsokas on a mismatch is inside he pulls his guys from the corners to the top so there's basically no one helping on the lob pass and then it's it's trouble for Fenner but uh keeping uh, Olympia cause in this low 70s, uh, is a great accomplishment for Fenerbahce. And uh, I think uh, they are doing, uh, they're choosing the right points to pressure uh, in, in, in this Olympiakos' team. You know, uh, Thomas Walkup is getting Nicol- Nicoladis treatment, basically. They're going under on every, on every screen with his, not letting him create, forcing him to shoot. He's one of 10 in the, from the three point uh, range in this series, um, missing some open mid ranges as well. So just doing everything uh, in their power and, uh, you know, exposing these uh, small weaknesses in Olympiakos' roster. And, you know, as I said, we could be talking about two, one lead for Fenerbahce. Yeah. If not the uh, if magical shot of Slukas doesn't doesn't happen, actually Fenerbahce didn't finish the regular season in a very good shape, and some people said that it's 
it's not going to be a series like Olympia Cost should have it in three I, or in I four. I said in three Olympia Cost. I said in five because I I always thought that uh, the number one the number one seed will be tested because Fenerbahce is not your regular eight seeded team. And True. yes, they didn't finish the regular season in a good shape, but usually in these moments you look at the quality they have and an experience rather than their results or or some games they dropped basically during the last weeks. Both had to get head to head matchups where yeah, total blowouts. Exactly. They were like plus twenty five leads in the second but quarter. But if you already. put it into context, yeah. They played these games when Fenerbahce had injury problems and, and they were not playing True. their best basketball. So in, in general I always believe that it could be a great series and of course game two made it a good series uh when they had a comeback from 16 yeah they were down 16 right uh yeah this game could have went either way and if olympiakos wins the series probably many fenerbahce fans will be wondering what if what mm, if Lucas sure. doesn't make that shot what if Gudrich doesn't leave any time for them to to have that mm. opportunity and this is the beauty of playoff basketball, in my opinion. Like uh, in regular season, when something like that happens, it's just one win. Yeah, that affects the standings a little bit, but you kind of forget about it next week. And this is a a shot that basically could change the whole season, the outcome of the season for both in, clubs. In the second game, what I liked in like in the fourth quarter, for example, you know, talking about hitting the right spots. Where do you attack Olympiacos? They switch with four uh, every time. So basically what Fenner does is involve Vezenkov in pick and roll, get the switch and make Guderich or Dorsey attack Vezenkov, you know? Yeah. Make him defend, put pressure on him, you know? See if he can get stops against perimeter players. And they came back uh, in the fourth quarter basically because of this, because, you know, other guys had to help. Then they kick, kick out the ball and then they have good quality shots from outside. So. I just see, you know, really important points of emphasis from Itudis. One more could be this this high pick and roll with Kalatis, where they play like in a half court. If I don't know if you notice this, Kalatis receives a screen and basically on half court. So and you know, and he attacks Mustafa Fall with speed, and then just good things happen. So uh, kudos to Itudis, and you know. I think we will have an, a really interesting game four, and I wouldn't be surprised if this goes back to Piraeus for a game five. But after Lucas making that shot, Olympiakos is happy to have the home court advantage. Yeah, they recovered their their home court advantage. Yeah, that that's the thing. And but Olympiakos, if you pick a team from from all eight teams that qualify for the playoffs, uh, who is the team you would trust to have uh, the winning play in the final seconds? I think everybody would say Olympiakos. Probably, probably yes. I mean, Slukas, masterfulness, Vazenkov, quick catch and shoot ability. Um, you know, you can have also other players. Isaiah Cannon, you know, could hit a shot. Yanulis Lorenzakis, if he's on the court, I count on him to hit that shot. Yeah. Uh, Shaquille McKissing making winning plays as well. I don't know. Maybe what, what other team you would have in mind i don't know i mean if punter is playing oh yeah we, we I forgot have about partisan partisan. In, in, in this I, discussion. I that, coming I coming to the office i was like <laughs> so yeah we said kevin punter is the most clutch but what about costas yeah. lucas guys what about this discussion but that's just crazy we already witnessed two game winning shots in these playoffs like punter yeah. shot was not a buzzer beater it was just a game winner and this was a pure buzzer beater we already witnessed two of those and we're just halfway through. I mean, yesterday, some maybe I saw some comments, best game of the season. I don't agree with this yeah, because the game was not beautiful. The atmosphere was amazing yeah. in Istanbul, but the game wasn't beautiful in my eyes. Uh, you know, Partizan Madrid game one was, Madrid was better. By far is the most beautiful series to watch, you know, offensive uh, teams, oriented teams, but... But the last three minutes and the shot making, especially in uh, in like last one minute and a half, was fantastic. It was some NBA level shit, you know. In the in one team hits a shot, the other responds, and then you hit a game winner. And you know, that's the power of having also timeouts that where you could advance the ball. Yeah, yeah. Too, but too bad it's only on dead ball. So. <laughs> 
What's interesting that uh, before the last time out, actually Vezenkov kind of encouraged Slukas just to take the ball and to make that shot without, you know, leaving any room for any other potential scenario. And when Vezenkov kind of made the speech, Barzakas just started uh, start dropping the play for uh, for Slukas. As speaking of how remarkable it is uh, how Fenerbahce made this series as serious actually and made it very competitive is when you when you watch the game and you see guys like Wilbekin, uh, even Devin Booker or Nemanja Bielica, who was supposed to be one of the key players this year for Fenerbahce, being sidelined and not involved in the series, which makes Fenerbahce's rotation really short and which makes, I mean, Nigel Hayes, Davis, Deshaun Pierre, they should get some, some Euroleague should create some uh, award for, for these guys playing, you know, basically uh, over over the limits the of... Endurance award or what? <laughs> some, at least something like that, because Hayes Davis, again, he's playing 37 <laughs> minutes in the series, Deshaun Pierre 35, and I'm, I know that Nigel is vegan, so maybe that that helped him to, to remain so... Uh, he had 40 minute performances in the regular season. Yeah, he basically finished game, the regular season. I think. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, the, the NBA has load management, EuroLeague has load mismanagement. <laughs> <laughs> Man, in Europe they want to, you know, to to to, to play for every every single you know, euro that yeah. you got paid. So the, the old mindset. That's how it is in Europe. Not only every single euro you got paid. I think in Europe usually the mindset is you're paying for euros you could make next season. Like mm. if if you sign a huge deal in the NBA for the next five years, you're settled. And in Europe. You have a one plus one contract or something like that. You're an American I player. Mean, you always want to increase your value that your next contract would be better than the one you're, you you have right now. If you play bad, then it's like <laughs> your it value doesn't, drops. doesn't matter if you get, have a guaranteed contract. The team says we don't want you and then you have to kind of settle for yeah. two or three months only of that contract. Sometimes that happens. So it's always a battle for your money. Well, in Hayes Davis' case, he kind of signed an extension at the end of the regular season, and since that moment, basically, he started playing 40 minutes per game. So, ah, but he has great men mentality. We know that from his uh, two seasons in Konas. A very interesting personality as well off the court, and just a great basketball player. Since you mentioned Jalgiris, what about the? Uh, unsexiest playoff series that we had to suffer. I mean, game two was nice. Uh, game two was game two was good. probably the best Jalgiris offensive game in this season, I would say, because they played against elite defense yeah. in the Euroleague. And game three was kind of a disappointment because people had hopes, uh, expectations. The expectation was always for Jalgiris to have two sold outs. It was not about beating Barca three times in a row. It was just about extending the series and, games. and to have two games uh, at home. Uh, but yeah, there was just not enough quality. And uh, when Barca has a nightmare in the first quarter with eight turnovers, you expect to be ahead in that game and you're down by three. They have eight turnovers. I think Jalgis at one point had eight more shots at the basket than Barca did. And Jalgis was still down by three. Ten more in the first quarter. Yeah, they, they couldn't just capitalize on their on their mis uh, mistakes. They couldn't convert those turnovers. Actually, they didn't even convert their second chances. Like, Ulanovas had four or five offensive rebounds in the first half, and the he... The ball was not going in. He just didn't have uh, points from, from those second chances, so... They uh, just couldn't control their emotions, I would say. They were so nervous. Uh, it, it's the, probably the first yeah. time I've seen the team on that level being so nervous, passing the ball in each other's legs, hesitating yeah. to take some easy shots, doing some unnecessary necessary dribble before taking taking shots and that's kind of another side of home court advantage when you play in the front of 15,000 people I think that kind of the same happened for for Maccabi when there was this amazing pressure toward Monaco team a lot of expectations to finish the series in Tel Aviv and then suddenly they they start playing as a different team because of, of all that hype and stuff. So maybe Jalgiris was also affected by all this uh, all this stuff because it's, let's let's admit that it's a very young team in terms of yeah. yearly experience. Uh, so. I think when the game was going to, to the halftime with a very low score, that was 29-26, people who follow basketball and follow EuroLeague realize that Barcelona will not have these offensive struggles for 40 minutes. They will find a way. They will find their shots. They will not have another 
quarter with eight turnovers. It was down to Jalgiris to do something extra, and, and Kaziz actually tried. He was looking for the best lineup. He started the third quarter with a very unusual lineup. Uh, some players really didn't perform up to their standards uh, in the series, not only in Game 3, and I think former Barcelona player Roland Schmitz was a a disappointment in the yeah, series. Definitely. Uh, he didn't have any any mismatches like during the season where he could use his skills in the paint. He didn't have any open looks from the perimeter. so Because Barcelona doesn't do mistakes exactly. often. Exactly, and Jalgiris' coaching staff was trying to put him in the best position, but they just didn't find anything. And in, in the elimination game, Roland Schmitz played the s smallest amount of minutes that he did during the whole season. Before this game, it was 15 minutes versus Monaco because he was in a foul trouble. He played and, 13, right? And here, he played 13 minutes. Uh, so it, it was just... A pure fact that the better team won the series, a much better team won the series, and and it's it's not no coincidence that it was a sweep. Uh, game two was a good, competitive game from Jalgiris side. Game three at home was not so great, unfortunately. And I have to say that one of my mates after the third quarter went to Wikipedia and he changed the name of Jalgiris Arena to Mike Toby Arena mm. <laughs> because Mike <laughs> Toby basically bought some land. In Man. that in, in that building, we we laughed after the game with Mike. He said that as soon as I see these guys with blonde hair, with blue eyes, I just start making shots. It, it is how it is. You know? <laughs> and he made those shots from basically the same spot. It was like three in a row, three in a row, yeah. three in a row from the same spot. And he starts the fourth quarter with an open look from a different angle, and all of a sudden it's short. But we know Mike Toby, even though his release is unorthodox, <laughs> uh, he's a stretch five. He's a pure stretch five. Of course, in Barcelona system, he sometimes plays like a four, or you can say they are playing with two centers. Two centers. Uh, but but he is a guy who stretches the floor, and he he likes those spot-up shots. What can I say? Man, I mean, those first two were the consequence of Jalgiris, you know, switching defense. But I was surprised by that third one. I mean, before this game, I, I said to myself, you know, can Jalgiris replicate their offensive uh, game that they saw, that they showed in game two? And the answer was probably not because Prasdekis are not going to hit those step backs. And he felt too good in my eyes. He felt too good after game two. He missed, uh, he tried to do too much, I think, in the first quarter. You instead know, of being aggressive, of he being again aggressive, went to the step back. He, mm. again, uh, he, he fell in love with those step backs yeah. after, after game two. And, you know, missing those first couple of shots impacted his game way too much. But then going back, you know, the first... And, and then I was like, okay, so Jalgiris probably will not replicate the offensive game. So can they improve their defense? That was, you know, Barcelona were averaging 90 points per game in the first two. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they're playing now away. Maybe they can cut it down to 80, you know, and maybe have a chance of winning this game. But then things like this happen. Mike Toby just hits two threes. And I think uh, La Provitola is driving inside. Uh, he doesn't have any advantage against Lukas Vlekavicius. And Polonara, who is guarding Mike Toby, who just hit two frees, is standing three meters away next to the paint painted uh, area, leaving Mike Toby completely wide open. I mean, how can, how can you do this? You are guarding, you know, you have to know the personnel you are guarding. And then Mike Toby hits the third third one. And Polonara uh, is known for these mental mistakes. It's It's... Not a yeah. big surprise, unfortunately. And then, you know, even later, you know, in, on, on the switching defense, you know, Rakas Jokubaitis twice yeah. scored on Polonara, uh, you know, after timeout plays, Sharuna Sisikiewicz is targeting Ignaz, Ignaz Brezdekis. Uh, Abrines free yesterday from the middle was an exact same play that they ran in the first game. And they also got a, a, an identical free pointer. So, you know, Jalgris... We're the least experienced team coming into these playoffs. And despite Kazis Moksquiris throwing every different tactic and trying to adjust before every game, it was simply Barca knew an answer to, to, to everything. And they were more experienced team. Do you so. think maybe Isaiah Taylor was underplayed? I mean, I'm not sure if he was 100%, yeah. but, but do you think he, he should have more minutes? Maybe game like maybe, this? maybe just yesterday, but you know. Yeah, I'm talking about yesterday's game. I'm not okay. talking about the series in yeah. general. Because game one, he was obviously not ready. Yes. Game two, uh, Rezdekis were killing it offensively. Because Maxvitis was playing Dimshalat at, at at the point guard because of defensive purposes. And and to be to be honest, Dimsha were was uh, yeah, you know, it was pretty great, solid, pretty solid yeah. yesterday in, on offense. 
he was attacking, you know, drop defense of Barcelona with aggressiveness. So I'm not sure it was necessary yeah. yesterday. And even even though Taylor was, uh, you know, basically keeping Jalgers in the game in the second half, you know, with his couple of drives, I yeah. think he had like six points in the second half. So I'm just saying that maybe. They, I'm, not, I'm were, not saying that, yeah. that it would, would save their yeah. season or anything like that. It's just that Taylor is probably uh, the qu quickest guy Jalgiris has. Definitely. And, uh, most skilled guy they have. Uh, so I wanted him on the court more, but that's just my opinion. At the same time, you know, Satoransky was attacking him and Lucas every time in the post. Yeah, and, and they then were creating because he's shot, put so. Lucas on, on Abrinas, who's basically an off-ball player. Yeah. But again, it's a it's a huge size advantage for Barcelona. I think that for uh, Barca... That just shows how Barca, how many options they have, yeah. you know. They, they should be very happy about their second half performance because uh, usually... When you watch Barcelona, you expect Miritic to be the guy who does all the scoring in in the second half. Like he, it's very common that he finishes the first half on like five points or something like that, mm -hmm. and then he just explodes after the halftime. And in in this game, it did not happen. It was more about their Czech Republic guys running their pick and rolls. And I think the moment when Satoransky hit those two three pointers in the third quarter, to me, actually that was the breaking point. I mean, Mike Toby's. Uh, uh, shots, they just kill the game, mm -hmm. but when Barca starts the third quarter, in the first minute or two, they, they just couldn't score points, and then Satoransky goes for a mid-range shot, it's in. Jalgiris is taking some defensive risks, he punishes them with two three-pointers, and at that moment, I'm thinking their point guard just showed the example, showed some leadership, and now they're going to get back their offensive flow. And we know Vesely, how good he is, and I have to say, um, these mid-range shots he's making, they're not very easy shots. They're kind of a tricky shot. They're tricky shots. Some players hate this range. Mid range. Yeah, and for Vesely, it's becoming a, a very common shot, uh, playing all these sweet spots, short rolls. Jalgiris yeah. uh, didn't allow him to have many layups like in game two. And they were living with with the consequences of him taking those mid-range shots. And actually, in the first half, he missed like four in a row. or Three, three or row. four in a row. Yeah. Right. But then he started making those shots uh, after the halftime. And alongside Satoransky, two uh, Czechs, two good friends from the national team, really punished Zalgiris big time in, 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 in this game. Jan Vesely, I just saw now, was plus 31 yesterday. Ooh. In 25 minutes, he had great series. He was so just without him, they were minus 20. In 15 minutes, he was yeah. on the bench. It, it's actually crazy. hard to criticize Jalgiris or Kasis Maxvitas, knowing absolutely not who they were against. Uh, in my opinion, the only slightest advantage that Jalgiris had was Lorinas Berutis. As crazy as it may sound. Other than that, you cannot find any mismatches. You don't no. have any advantages, whether Barca plays which defense or they're, they're doing the, the step out defense or whatever. I mean, Jalgis just couldn't find any advantages offensively unless Berutis was fed in the post. Like uh, he, he, he drew a lot of fouls from Shanley, from Vesely. He, he scored points. For him, it was a good series, I would say. It's, it's surreal to see Jan Vesely defending Berutus on the post and just making a foul because he knows that probably he won't stop that uh, you know, inside play. So mm. that speaks a lot about Lorinas Berutus' season and the expectations we had before the season, yeah, exactly. how he has progressed and how important he suddenly became. He basically became the main Jalgir center. Before the, the season, series. I thought he was like the weakest link in their rotation. The first yeah. 10 games many, as well. Many Remember yeah. what everyone was talking after first 10 yeah. games? But right now, he's a really good center who can finish with both hands. I think he shoots with his left, but he is a right-handed yeah. person. So I think so. That makes him very strong on both sides. Kind of like Donatas Motiunas, who can finish with his right as, as well as with his left. And, and yeah, for Berutus, it was a good season, second half of the season, and good series. I think that that's the positives we can take from Jalgiris' side. Yeah, you, you mentioned offensive flow and I remember I watched the scoreboard after three quarters and <laughs> when as top four scorers of your team you have Berutis, Dimsha, Lekavicius and Bukavicius you know you're in trouble 
then when you look at the stats and when you see the playoff averages and when you have six Lithuanians as your top scorers, you know you're in trouble because I, I would say like in Serbia and Lithuania, it's kind of the same. Yes, the local players, they are important, but they should be like a glue guys, defensive-minded players. And usually this personal from abroad, you know, they make the, the biggest impact. And do you have... Uh, Roland Schmitz as being very disappointing in the series. I had high hopes uh, before the series. I thought that him finally, you know, finding his, uh, I mean, leaving Barcelona, a big team, and getting a big role in Zalgiris, being, I would say, one of the most consistent players of the season on, on both ends, especially. Knowing Mirotic so well, having these big ambitions because you're playing Barca, your former team, I expected that Schmitz will be... Uh, I wouldn't say very successful, but very important and solid in this series. But he just, could, I mean, one part is to know Mirotic and Barca very well. The other part is that Sharas knows you even better. Mirotic also knows you real well and they really yeah. expose Schmitz. But I mean, I didn't expect him to be so uh, so bad in the series, averaging only 3.3 points per game, being 11th in Zagreb, both in scoring and efficiency for for. Playing such an important role in the team, it's it's a huge luxury for the team like Zalgiris to have Roland Schmitz underperforming that bad. But again, there was also Polonara, Isaiah Taylor, obviously impact, impacted by injuries. I mean, moving forward, Zalgiris should celebrate the season. That was yeah, a great really. achievement. Of course. But moving forward, now they start uh, thinking, they should start thinking how we can improve from this situation to put ourselves in a better situation and under better conditions to, to try to make another step uh, going forward. Yeah, to add more quality because next season other teams will see Zalgiris as a playoff team. It will be a different approach because this season Zalgiris started as a bottom team in the previous yeah. year and maybe other teams didn't respect them so much. Next season, you will have that respect. And and obviously, to be successful once again, you need more quality. I think Zalgiris uh, was not a good offensive team uh, this season. And I think they're like not a very modern team, the way they play basketball, although some things worked for them and, and some, let's say, not traditional methods uh, really paid off. Like, like they were a team that doesn't have many assists, but basically their offensive rebound is an assist. That's what we, we were used to watching the regular season. So it was a, was a great year for Zalgiris. Barca is just too strong of a team. Uh, you could not expect them to win the series, of course. At least one game was the expectation many people had. Um, also, I have to say that Sharas had an answer for anything that Gazis Maxvitis could offer yep. for everything that Zalgiris tried, Sharas was prepared and it again shows. Uh, Not only Sharas, but his players. And his prepared, players, yeah, you know? of course. So, it's, uh, uh, so the execution was a also lot of credit at the to highest the players, level. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said Roland Schmitz had a uh, disappointing series and I agree, but it's just, it just shows with Barca. Barca does not don't allow you to play yeah, basketball. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it was not only about Schmitz. It was mostly mainly about Barca. You know, it's really hard. First of all, they don't do mistakes. Let's say run, when you are running off screens, usually, you know, Schmitz were baseline out of bounds play. Jalgris had for him. He runs out of screen. Oh, he's wide open. He makes a free. There was a, there was a situation like this probably every game during the regular season in the post. It's hard even to get get the ball in the post because they front. They they. It's hard to pass if there is a lob. There is a double team coming. Really difficult. Then, if you get the ball in the post, there is the zone defense that Barca plays. You know when you are playing with your back to the basket. So it's just it's just really complicated. And as you said, Charles had an answer for everything. Uh, we saw slip screens in game one against Twitch Hall. We saw. Confusing uh, spacing for Zalgiris against the step out uh, defense in game two. And then again yesterday, just finding the right balance, attacking the switching defense again and, and the drop defense that yeah. Zalgiris finally showed in game three. You know, that's why La Provitola didn't have 11 assists yesterday because Zalgiris changed their system again. They were dropping against him not and not hedging aggressively. And, but you know, in the second half, Jan Vesely hits the mid range and there is an answer for, for, for everything basically so uh in my eyes Barca are the main favorites to win everything this year and uh, i think this strong series against Zalgiris shows that they are 
more than ready. But it, it, but it's always you know game one, one game. So yeah, you you've talked about the the, the Lithuanian players. I think uh, when Jalgiris was down double digits, because he's actually tried the Lithuanian lineup with five Lithuanian players on the court. It didn't really work out, but uh, he tried it. I think that was the idea that these guys care about Jalgiris. They will do everything to save the season. Uh, and one guy just stands out for me when we're talking about this season. I've mentioned Berutis already as a player who really silenced all the doubters. Uh, he proved that he belongs in the EuroLeague and he can play for Jalgiris. Another guy is, of course, Arnas Butkevicius. Uh, we've, yeah. we've talked about his uh, defensive performances the whole year. He probably would be in an all-defense first team this yeah. season alongside guys like Thomas Walkup. He's uh, like the third best defensive player in my eyes this season. Walk up in Tavares. Top and three for sure. Cabbages. For sure. But why I don't see him as an elite uh, player, let's see, uh, let's say on a, on a Final Four team, it's 25% shooting from three-point range. And basically, when we're talking about these guys who can be on elite teams, they usually are free and D guys. And it seemed like at some point that Arnas Butkavichus is making these shots and he's punishing uh, other teams. But in the end of the season, you have 25%. And we're talking about a player who plays 25 or 30 minutes, which means that defensively he's doing uh, an enormous job. But offensively, he's a problem sometimes and especially mm. against barcelona i don't think he made a spot-up shot in this series during the playoffs he missed all four three-pointers exactly he's a great player he is a great guy you love to have him on your team but this is why i wouldn't i couldn't imagine him on barcelona real madrid fs or any other uh, other team uh, just for defensive purposes because to play for those teams you also need to be able to hit at least a spot-up shot Although we're setting the bar very high for the guy who many believed they were not sure if he can play in the EuroLeague level. So, you know, yeah, step I, by step. As a local player for Jarvis, that is an true, ideal and, option. And I don't have anything against yeah. that. He is a very important player for Jalgiris for next few years to come. I'm just saying that during the season, at some point, there was a discussion. Should oh. big clubs go for Butkavichus as, as a player who who's so good on defense? And to me, the answer why they wouldn't is twenty five percent. That's the answer. I, I looked at you know two two players mm, popped into my head at the moment when you were talking Shaquille McKissick and Nikola Kalinic. You know, basically the same position, basically guys that are playing great defense, but obviously they have something else to offer yeah. as well. You know, Sha Shaq is probably one of the quickest players and most explosive players in all Euroleague. And he can also be a ball and handler. He can also mm -hmm. be a ball handler, and uh, his three point percent is twenty nine. So that's you know basically similar 25 or 29 doesn't really matter to the opposing team and Nikola Kalinic is 39 so plus he can post up yeah. as well he creates so from that, there that's 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 another I level was thinking about Alpha Diallo for instance I, I I'm just in general I think that this forward position free and D guy position is something that elite teams are still looking for I wouldn't name a lot of elite forwards at uh, not the elite level, like Will Clyburn, some obvious Gabriel cho uh, deck choices. The gap between them, these elite guys, and the others, it's, it feels like Euroleague teams, the top Euroleague teams, still trying to find those guys. NBA teams are trying to find those guys. Yeah, and it's a tough position. Not every team finds them. They, they're not too, there are not too many players that basically are happy with standing in the corner every possession and waiting for the yeah. opportunity and being able to hit 40% of those shots and at the same time doing all the hard work defensively. But you know why I think maybe 25% is not fair to Butkevich's? It's because of Jalgiris' offense. He had too many shots on he dead possessions? too many shots late in the clock because yeah. basically... You know, I remember this game where he went 0 from 6 from three-point range. I think it was... Maccabi. Maccabi or Monaco. Maccabi, uh, Maccabi probably. Maccabi. And basically, he had four shots from eight meters at the last seconds because, you know, Jalgiris' guards can't create anything and then mm. they pass him the ball and he goes, you know, he has to shoot. So I think if you put him on a better team, maybe he gets more open shots and this percentage, you know, goes up a little bit. 
I agree with your point that definitely, you know, he would be, uh, he would get treatment that maybe, you know, Nick Kalidis was getting, you know, last season. And he's not a ball handler and, and as well. He's so. not a ball handler as well. So, yeah, it would be a tricky one, but an amazing season for Arnold's with Cavages. For sure. What's also interesting that only five Jalgris players in this series against Barca made a three-pointer. And for instance, Aquila Polnar made just one three-pointer. And then you have Dimsha. In an off, ISO situation. <laughs> off from seven, Butkavich is off from four, and Isaiah Taylor is your basically main point guard, off from one. So, I mean, that's a clear indicator for Jalgiris what they should do trying to make this next step to, first of all, to try to find a pure shooter yeah. that they were thinking of Carlos Lukashunas might be becoming, but that project wasn't successful. Then... I've heard that they're looking for another uh, option for the backcourt who could help them uh, in scoring. And from what I hear, they're looking for a stretch for, I don't know if it's related to Roland Schmitz, who is not going to be easy to to keep for Jalgiris for the next year, or it's more related to Tyler Cavanaugh. But these probably the, the three main, main yeah. uh, focal points of their uh, upgrade, uh, upgrading uh, ideas I mean, in this offseason. If Cavanaugh and Polonara both leave, you you must sign a stretch for whether Definitely. Schmitz stays or not yeah uh, you need players in in your rotation that's that's for sure uh correct me if i'm wrong you have the stats barca hit more three-point shots in game one than jalgiris in all three games right mm. in in which game barca? game one i game think game one. one barca finished 14 from 26 mm, let jalgiris me had two quickly. in the first game if i'm not mistaken four yesterday yeah okay. two Let's check very quickly. Six, and then... No, they, they hit eight in the game two. So basically, Barca made 14 in game one, and Jalgiris in the rest of the series in is four, the, in, 14 in the as whole well. Series. Yeah. You cannot expect <laughs> to win a series with these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like, nobody actually expected to win no, the no, series. No, no, no. As I said, so, the expectation yeah. was to yeah, win yeah. one game, and the game two performance deserves a lot of respect, how Jalgiris performed after being... Uh, beaten by 20 in, in game one. Just the last thing I wanted to ask you about Barca. It's, first of all, they made the final four for the third season in a row, which you cannot take for granted. You can look at FS situation, you can uh, look at Milan situation. Now Real Madrid is, is facing the elimination. It's not easy at all. And Barca made the third consecutive final four uh, only for the second time in the last 20 year, uh, 23 years of the modern EuroLeague. Uh, the first time they avoided the the, the, ver, the for the first time under Sharunasisikavichus they avoided the game five drama, and watching them this year, uh, watching them at the in in April uh, approaching May at the decisive uh, moment of the season, do you see them stronger or better prepared for the final four and fi uh, finally this title run than compared to the two previous seasons? Do you think that they are in a better situation to win the title finally? It looks like that, first of all, because they didn't have a five-game series. Even Sharas talked about having a little bit more time for some players to recover physically and, and mentally to have better preparations for the Final Four. Of course, they will play some ACB League games, but now they have more space because they don't have to play Game 4 and Game 5. And maybe they are in a better position because their point guard can make shots. I'm talking about Satoransky. Maybe it, it looks like they're playing a bit better right now. Uh, but I wouldn't say about last season, but the season before, they they also seemed in a very good position. They did beat Milan in the semifinal. They just faced one of the greatest EuroLeague teams that we ever had, uh, FS in so the final. It's, 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 it's tricky, you know. Mm. You can talk about them being better, but again, it all depends on one game. Uh, in the semifinal, they might be facing Obradovic or they might be facing El Clasico. And in these El Clasicos, you never know. You might be leading for 39 minutes, but then you might lose the game eventually. So, I don't know. Maybe there's some like magic in the air about Charas playing, uh, coaching his team in Konas in, in the final four. But uh, we will see. This season, they're the second-seeded team, not the first-seeded team, but it did look like they're they, they're feeling better. Uh, they're more confident. But again, they were facing a team that just was not that strong to test them yeah. to their limits, in my opinion. Definitely not. Schalgeris uh, weren't that great as, you know, Bayern München or Zenit two years ago yeah. with Kevin Pangos 
And uh, but I I I don't know. I'm I'm watching this Barcelona, and I'm I don't know why I have this. I don't know. I'm confident somehow in some way that this year is theirs. I believe that Satoransky and Vesely are great, fitting really well uh, for this team with Sharas. I believe they are in a great shape at the moment. They showed that they know basically how to attack every different defense. They show that they have confidence in themselves, you know, even those non-shooters that you might risk with. And they just have so many different options that you can choose from. Obviously, you know, game one, one game is, is so tricky. So I can't say Barcelona is going is are going to win the game, but I think they're in a much better spot than, than the last two years. The only thing I'm missing in Barca is that basically the guy who was supposed to debut. I mean, Costas Lucas, Kevin Punter, those guys, Mike James playing amazing game three against uh, Maccabi. They kind of reminded that in the decisive year uh, moment of the year, it's about backward stars. And the problem of Barca is that they're missing their main, the guy who was supposed to, to be the main backward scorer, uh, Corey Higgins. He is injured again, and it's not clear in what kind of shape and momentum he will return for the final four. So maybe that's, that's the only thing I'm missing for Barca to have this, let's say, complete picture for the title uh, run, because that, that might be important. These guys decide games. These, these guys might decide titles. So... Of course, they have a, some other, I mean, personal, like uh, La Provitola, he, he can become that uh, guy who can uh, kill the game. But uh, I think that Corey Higgins' contribution is, is, is huge for, for Barca, speaking of the highest uh, goals. By the way, I just checked randomly Barca's. I mentioned five Jarguerres guys who made a single three-pointer in the series. For instance, at least nine Barcelona made, uh, players made the three-pointer in the series. And the lowest, uh, Alex Abrines has the, had the lowest percentage 38%. All the rest of the all of the rest guys at least 40%. That's crazy. That's 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 talking about unique. the shot quality and the shot making. Mm. Yeah. Most of these shots were good looks. Most of them were spot up shots, not off dribble shots, not step backs like no. like Brzezdeki's shots. Not at all. And just the last thing I wanted to address that uh, okay, we were watching, we had to watch Jargris game. It was part of our main main work uh, that night. Then we all switch on Fenerbahce and Olympiakos, but many forget that there was the Eurocup final as well. <laughs> and that's, I don't know what I mean. The funny disaster. The funny thing is that the main highlight of the Eurocup final was that what the head coach. Before? of the team of uh, of Ankara Erdem Jan he uh he he coached his team with neck brace because he got injured on his way to the last practice before the final and i i will just quote the general manager of of Ankara uh, team uh, what uh, how he explain uh, what has happened so He's saying that uh, I'm in the hospital right now, waiting for the news from from Erdan John. Uh, we know the way. It took it takes ten minutes to go to the gym uh, with the bus. So it started showing. I mean, I'm quoting the Turkish tweet post, which is translated, so it might be not the most fluent English. Uh, it started showing 45 minutes when the driver put us on the wrong track. He said, I'm the driver and started to show us around. At that time, the volume of the music was very loud. He said, I listen to the music I want. At the, at the point where our head coach stood up and turned down the volume of the music, he deliberately stepped on the brake and our head coach hit the glass. His neck is in a very bad condition. And I mean, probably we all saw the pictures of this, uh, you know, broken glass, broken glass of the bus. And we, we saw him, uh, the coach, he, he, I think he will still have the MRI of the situation, but it, it's some crazy story. I, I don't remember. I mean, I would say it's some old school European basketball story. I, I already did some um, short research on some crazy stuff that happens before the decisive games in the playoff series. And one of the most uh, casual thing, uh, how you can try to put the away team in a worse situation for the final run is like basically just releasing ball, uh, releasing air from the balls in the, during the warmup. I, I call it potato balls. And when players try to warm up, the ball basically cannot bounce off the floor. And then we, of course, they switch with new balls uh, before the game. And, you know, 
it, it can affect your shooting. That's what actually happened to uh, quite a few EuroLeague teams in the last uh, couple of years. But this, this thing, this driver thing, that's something unique. That's Gran Canaria put it in. Of course, I'm not blaming Gran Canaria, but I mean, these Spanish guys, they made it to the next level, I think. I don't know. It sounds disgusting <laughs> if that's how things went. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very uh, disrespectful and everything. And you're also putting somebody's health at risk. Oh. Yeah, at the same time. I mean, I was shocked seeing the broken window of uh, of the bus. I mean, does this guy had it all planned or or I don't I know. know. It's just I mean, it's it, ridiculous. It's just very bad, but it's also a disgrace that they played a Euro Cup final yesterday. How can you not find an open spot mm. to play your final on on a different time? Play it on Monday. There's no EuroLeague on Monday. Played next week. At least you have yeah, like late on the weekend. It's uh, yeah. four teams. Make involved, the game on Friday. Just whatever. Do something. It's just one game. It's not a series. It's one game. It's, it's the Euro Cup final. Two teams playing for a Euro League spot. It, it's kind of a big deal, and it just looks like nobody cares about it. Uh, Gran Canaria winning brings them back to the Euro League, right? Yeah. With yes. Coach Yakalakovic. Uh, I think the other seventeen teams are not very happy. <laughs> Well, these, they, they're going to test themselves for Dubai. Uh, these these trips in to, to Canary Islands are very difficult. Also, that gym, as I remember, the last time Gran Canaria was in EuroLeague, uh, they, they had um, problems with the roof. There was some leakage. And oh, okay. when FS played Gran, Gran Canaria, during the warm-up, Shane Larkin slipped and injured his ankle, and Atama was very angry. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I don't know if, if um, other... EuroLeague clubs are very excited about uh, playing Gran Canaria away. Um, Valencia probably would be their preferred choice, but mm. that's that's how the system works. And is Gran Canaria replacing Valencia actually? Probably, probably, yes. probably it's kind yes. of unofficial. You're not going to have five Spanish nah. teams on. on so on basically, the, the EuroLeague picture will remain the same except from Valencia and okay. Gran Canaria basically stepping up uh, in their place. Okay. So again, that might be a good test before uh, voting for for Dubai's project. I mean, they're gonna oh. test themselves for these long uh, long trips. Uh, there was a great tweet by Pitti Hurtado, uh, famous Spanish commentator, how he put uh, things in one tweet, what has happened the last week in European basketball. So first of all, a cra a crazy fight week. in the Wizzing Center, Brian Dunstan's traffic accident, assault on Alexis Schwed uh, and his big, big conclusion, uh, Chris Singleton uh, having heart problems. Uh, thank God it's not that serious as it looked uh, at the start. And <laughs> break of... Uh, truck telecom bus that hit uh, Erden John uh, badly. So, well, let's hope that this was the too many last things you, you you wouldn't want to yeah. to happen. Yeah, you would so. like to have just pure basketball. By the way, I just wanted to make a quick remark about one thing I took from uh, watching the NBA playoffs during the night. Uh, Miami Heat New York Knicks game two. Miami Heat being without Jimmy Butler, the best player of these playoffs. And how creative Eric's Polstra is, it, it just continues to surprise me. Like, you have Bama Debayo as your five, and Max Struess as your two, and they are paying, playing pick and pop, where Struess sets the screen and pops. Bam is the creator. The, the New York Knicks don't know what the hell is happening. Then they're playing Kevin Love as a four or as a five, but they're running staggers for him like he's a, he's a shooting guard. And at this time, I'm thinking during the night watching this game the game today is not about positions at all it's about what you can offer and playing to your strengths it doesn't matter whether you're a five or a two it's all about your skill set and eric spulster is just a genius at it like what he does with this team even without jimmy butler they were competing mm -hmm. they they had an opportunity to win game two in madison square garden and be up two zero because basically they're like as I tweeted, five injuries away from playing Udonis Haslam. <laughs> They're losing players every single night. But wow, it's, it's just impressive to see the, the elite level of coaching in the NBA, as well as in EuroLeague, of course. Yeah, positionless basketball is much more in effect. I think in the NBA in Europe, it's still... Of course, not still, everybody has a center like Bama Debayo who can has, handle the yeah. ball and, and pass the ball the way the way he does. Not, uh, not everybody has personnel to, to play. Yeah, to exactly, somebody. exactly. But yeah. Miami's 
fun team to watch and I after this I have to re rewatch that game. <laughs> and another thing, Nikola Jokic is taking some hostages in in Phoenix. I think DeAndre Ayton is now a hostage and people should be concerned. <laughs> He's also having Bismarck Biombo in his back pocket and basically the whole Phoenix team. And uh, that pick and roll Murray Jokic is just uh I mean <laughs> you have a, have an answer. You have a center who is shooting floaters, teardrops and everything. everything At the basically. same time he he kills you in the post. It's I just don't, it's just ridiculous. I just don't think Phoenix have the depth and right now No, they don't have Chris any ball probably not playing games three, four, and five. If game five e is, 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 is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, they don't have any bench. Uh, they Game two, they had four points from their bench. Ardonas, basically we can put, just put off these cameras and let them discuss. No, the no, I just, I, I just wanted to say because there's, <laughs> no, I'm just there's, there's some it's, inter it's interesting stuff. It's great to have you uh, I, I back. Could, I could have a lot more takes, but, <laughs> you know, we're running out of time. Yeah, it's it's great to have you back, Ritis. We missed you with Augustus. And thank, thank you all for watching us during this intense uh, weeks of the playoffs on both sides of the ocean. And just please, if you watched it until the end, just, I mean, put some effort to press like button, subscribe our channel. And if you want to be even closer, uh, join us on basketnews.com slash plus to be part of our community. Thank you and see you very soon.